Mary Higgins Clark, a nice Irish Catholic girl from the Bronx who was a good writer. I had to make time to write, and I just thought, I'll get you, baby. You'll come begging for a story. This is Secrets of Wealthy Women from the Wall Street Journal, helping women empower themselves financially. Now, Veronica Dagger. Recently, I visited Mary Higgins Clark at her New Jersey home to sit and talk about life as an iconic writer, a New York Times bestselling author of more than 50 novels. She tells her story of a girl from the Bronx who became the queen of suspense. I started our conversation by asking Mary how the death of her father when she was young affected her view of money. Well, my father died because his business was struggling so much that he died of a heart attack. And I was then 11 years old, and we had simply no money afterwards. Everything had gone in to try to save the business. So I went from a very comfortable, nice home to a three-room apartment, of course, and four of us crowded into it, and money was tight, 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 tight. So from the beginning, I wanted to work and earn money. And I worked after school all the time. I worked as a telephone operator, Hotel Shelton, good afternoon, just for what it's worth. There was one lady of the evening in the hotel, and when she was on the phone, I was able to disconnect so that I could be listening. And one day, she said to her most recent boyfriend, don't say another word. That damn operator is listening in. And I said, I am not. And then disconnected, of course. You would get up in the morning before your kids got up and write. What did you say to women who feel they just don't have the time to write? Well, because of going into work every day and, of course, with the children. And I had to make time to write. Well, I was in bed by 11 at the latest, so by getting up at 5, I had an hour and a half of perfect silence. Even the dog stayed asleep, and that was the time I could sink into writing with a cup of coffee in my hands, and I got more done there than that way than I've been able to do when I had more time. You said as a widow, you had to get used to going to gatherings alone, which often felt <clears throat> gut-wrenching. What would you say to women who feel like they're the third wheel? Well, you are the third wheel to start with. But the other part of it is have good friends and don't be afraid to be the extra woman. I had my friend's husband, not with me, with her, obviously. But I said, look, George, you, you pay for me and I'll pay you because you can't go in and expect people to be picking up your check all the time. So that worked for years. He he would just say, oh, I'll take Mary. And I, of course, settled with him. But don't get out of the drift of being part of a couple, because sometimes it will happen again. Ask me. You used to window shop and imagine the expensive clothes you'd buy when you made it. Do you recommend this type of exercise to people who want to be wealthy one day? Well... I wanted to be a successful writer, not necessarily wealthy. I always felt I would do well. So if I got downtown to go to the Hotel Shelton on 49th Street, if I was a little bit early, I'd walk down Fifth Avenue and window shop for outfits and say, oh, I want this one. 
no, I don't like that one. So I, I, <laughs> I guess I was planning ahead. And the funny part is, now that I can afford to buy anything I want, I'm thoroughly bored with shopping. You said you're one of your favorite authors. How did you get that confidence? Well, you know, people ask who my favorite authors are. And I have to stop with the top of the list. Me, I'm my favorite author. So many authors, though, are, I want to say, self-hating. Well, by the time I write a book, I have written and rewritten it. I am satisfied with the characters, satisfied with the progression. It's like having a new baby. Are you going to say, oh, I don't like this one? No, I love it. It's my favorite for the moment. How many times do you rewrite a book, would you say? Well, the first 50 pages are torture. And in fact, when John and I were married 22 years ago, he said to one of my daughters, I'm so worried about your mother. The new book is hopeless. It's going nowhere. There is no plot. And Patty said to him, oh, for God's sake, we've heard that for 30 books. You got your first million-dollar contract in the late 70s. How did you learn how to handle wealth? Well, first of all, it was such a surprise, an absolute surprise, because the first book, Where Are the Children?, I was paid $3,000 for. So when I was... Then I did sell paperback rights. But then I was heading off to my night class at Fordham, and my agent phoned, and she said, Mary, are you sitting down? I said, yes. Well, she said, Simon and Schuster is offering $1 million for this book, and Dell is offering 500000 for the paper rights. Think it over. I said, think it over. For the love of God, call them back before they change their minds. The next day, my car was falling apart, and even after having heard that news and going to class at Fordham. And all I was doing, I couldn't hear a word anyone was saying. I was writing 1,500,000 in numerals. And then when I, get, got, when I got to my car, I drove barely out of the parking lot. The muffler and tailpipe fell off. I tried to tie them with the belt of my raincoat. And, of course, it dropped off immediately. And on the way home, 22 miles, of course, it was going kaplunk, kaplunk, kaplunk. And people were beeping and beeping and pointing as though I was too stupid to hear the racket. (laughs) The next morning, I called my buddy. I said, we have a project. She said, what's that? I said, I'm buying a car. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. Robert Half is here to help. Our recruiting professionals utilize our proprietary AI to connect businesses with highly skilled talent. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You're listening to Secrets of Wealthy Women from the Wall Street Journal. For a special chat with Mary Higgins Clark, I spoke with her in her home about what her decades-long career as a best-selling author has taught her about what success really means. Every book is a new book, and I never, ever take for granted that because I have an audience, 
uh, they're going to stay with me. I remember long ago an editor said, Mary, you could write the phone book once. And that's absolutely true. People like to be faithful, but if they're disappointed in the book, they'll say, oh, oh, she used to be good, try this one. So I think any author who thinks she has the audience so enthralled that she can write the phone book had better think again. Some authors might feel they are above doing a book reading at a grocery store, but you're not. How come? Because the people who come to to get a signature or to hear me are the people who care about my books. I never can understand an author who will walk out on a group waiting on line for her because the exact moment is up. I think, my God, these are the people who are paying your bills. How can you possibly be so rude? You're often mentioned as a mentor or fairy godmother to other writers. How come you help women who are competitors? Well, I'm not jealous of them. I mean, I wish all of us well, very well, but leave room for me, of course. I have friends in the in the business who are also suspense writers, but we're each writing the best we can and leave it at that. Don't wish the other one hard luck, because that's the quickest way to get it yourself. How do you keep down to earth amid the wealth and fame? You know, I'll be honest, it's something that has always been in the corner. I mean, I'm grateful for it, very grateful, but it's not the center of my life. I have a large family, thank God. I have grandchildren, and the joy of it is, and I'm pretty charitable. I certainly feel that I owe it to God to be charitable, but I get so much more pleasure out of giving than having someone give something to me. What would you like your legacy to be? A nice Irish Catholic girl from the Bronx who was a good writer. How do you figure out how much money to leave to your kids versus how much to leave to charity? I've considered that very carefully. I think I've done an adequate selection on every level that I can, I am comfortable with, and I've done it very carefully. What type of investor are you? Don't be swayed by someone with a good story and what seems to be a good investment. It happens all the time. People do it all the time. Right now on these protocols we get, there are still people who believe if they don't send money out, they'll be arrested. And it's a damn shame, especially for the people who really can't afford and who lose so much if they send a $600 check. What do you like to splurge on? My family, really. Uh, I mean, I have a very comfortable home. Uh, I have a summer home in Cape Cod and a summer home in Spring Lake, and I have an apartment in New York. But as often as not, there are more people in it than I am, which is fun to be able to have someone say, of course, go down, or just be there, and then I get down. But... The idea of being able to to share with people what you have gives me much more satisfaction than pointing out that I have it. What's your advice for women who remarry later in life? God bless you. I I was widowed at age 36. I married John at age 68. But I always miss being married. There are some people who are supposed to go two by two. And I was pretty young to be to be widowed, but I knew I wasn't just going to settle half-baked. So when John came along, uh, 
This is right. You say no matter how dark the day, this too will pass. What do you mean by that? Rose Kennedy had a, a wonderful expression. I used it in my last book. What it was to the effect of the birds sing brightest after a storm. So why should we not do it? And she said it after Bobby Kennedy died. Did you ever imagine you'd have the amount of success you have now when your kids were young and your husband had just died? I can answer that by saying about, well, it wasn't that long after that. I was having dinner with a friend and a palmist came by, my Arija palm, five dollars. And I thought, oh, sure, why not? So she looked at mine and she said, I can't believe what I'm saying. I can't believe what I'm saying. You are going to be known all over the world. You are going to make a great deal of money. You will live to be very old, and you will die abroad. First thing, first three have happened, and I don't plan to go abroad. Time now for your secrets. I'm Mary Higgins-Clark, and my money secret is, let me tell you, I earn the money I have, and I've been proud to have done that, and when I didn't have it, I scurried out to work to make extra money. This episode was produced by Tanya Bustos. John Wardock is the executive producer of WSJ Podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Veronica Dagger. What's your secret? Let us know. Write podcasts at DowJones.com or on Twitter. Use hashtag Secrets of Wealthy Women.